please join in our entrance hymn, How Great Thou Art. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. Together with uh, Father Desmond and Father David, 
May I welcome you to St Bride's Church in Cambuslang for the celebration of morning mass, which is of course offered for the repose of the soul of Peter Mullen. We welcome to the church today especially Margaret, his wife, and his daughters uh, Catherine and Winifred, and Margaret and Jane. And we welcome also John and Jamie and Thomas. And we welcome to the grandchildren, uh, Katie, Amy, Louise, Matthew, Christina, Victoria, Dominic, uh, Nathan, Christopher, and Anna Louise. And we welcome also his brother and sister, uh, Eddie and Winnie, and also nephews and nieces. We welcome to uh, all of those who have come uh, for this Mass, uh, former colleagues of Peter's uh, from St Margaret Mary's and Bellarmine and Holyrood, and we welcome people also from the educational services who are here, and we welcome also people from our local community and our parish community who have joined us for the Mass, and especially welcome our friends from uh, Kirkhill Bowling Club uh, who are great friends of Peter's. Today we've come uh, to celebrate this Mass, and of course uh, we want to remember Peter very fondly and very affectionately in the Mass itself. We realise that he has made a great contribution to many people's lives, uh, and uh, we recognise that today in our Mass. But we also recognise that we all of us uh, have a journey to make in our life, and of course that journey itself is led and guided and assured by the presence of Christ in each of our lives. Today, as we celebrate this Mass, then, uh, we come into the presence of God, and once again, we thank God for all the blessings that he's given us in our life, and once again, we recall our own sins and seek his mercy and forgiveness. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned, in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, Almighty Father, our faith professes that your Son died and rose again. Mercifully grant that through this mystery your servant who has fallen asleep in Christ may rejoice to rise again through him, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. A reading from the Book of Wisdom. The souls of the virtuous are in the hands of God. No torment shall ever touch them. In the eyes of the unwise, they did appear to die. Their going looked like a disaster. They're leaving us like annihilation. But they are in peace. If they experience punishment as men see it, their hope was rich with immortality. Slight was their affliction, great will their blessing be. God has put them to the test and proved them worthy to be with him. 
He has tested them like gold in a furnace and accepted them as a holocaust. When the time comes for his visitation, they will shine out. As sparks run through the stubble, so will they. They shall judge nations, rule over peoples, and the Lord will be their king forever. They who trust in him will understand the truth. Those who are faithful will live with him in love. For grace and mercy await those he has chosen. The word of the Lord. From the letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Before God and before Christ Jesus, who is to be judge of the living and the dead, I charge you in the name of his appearing and of his kingdom. Proclaim the message and welcome or unwelcome, insist on it. Refute falsehood, correct error, give encouragement, but do all with patience and with care to instruct. The time is sure to come when people will not accept sound teaching, but their ears will be itching for anything new, and they will collect themselves a whole series of teachers according to their own tastes. And then they will shut their ears to the truth and will turn to myths. But you must keep steady all the time, put up with suffering, do the work of preaching the gospel, fulfill the service asked of you. As for me, 
my life is already being poured away as a libation, and the time has come for me to depart. I have fought the good fight to the end. I have run the race to the finish. I have kept the faith. All there is to come for me now is the crown of uprightness, which the Lord, the upright judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have longed for his appearing. The word of the Lord. with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, I have kept all of these since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? In the gospel, there are a number of professions that are mentioned. Fishermen and tax collectors and shepherds, workers in the vineyard, people who till the soil and sow the seeds, lawyers and priests. Some are given honourable mention, others not so. But the most honoured title that is given is given to Jesus in this passage. He is called teacher, and it should be noted that he is also called good teacher too. The title of teacher was given to those whose task it was to explain the law, teach people how to live a good life. It could also be replaced by rabbi or master. People must have recognised then 
Jesus as a teacher. That is often the way in the gospel that they address him and they often come to him asking him questions. He was someone who could answer their questions, had knowledge, insight, someone who could open things up to them. Over and over again then in the gospel, we hear him addressed in this way and people are eager to know what he thinks, what is his advice and what wisdom he can give them. And we can hear this in the gospel passage of today's Mass. A young man comes seeking advice on how to live a good life and Jesus tells him what to do. The young man responds that he is doing all of these things. Jesus says, there's only one thing that you lack. Go and sell all you possess. There's more to learn, more to do, more to find out. But the young man himself, as we hear in the passage, goes away sad because he's not prepared to learn anymore. Peter Mullen laid claim to that title, teacher, in every sense all through his life. He had privileges and responsibilities that went along with being a teacher. By all accounts, he also was known as a good teacher. And even when he held posts as head teacher, he liked nothing better than to swoop into a class and to take up questions and to be involved in the cut and thrust of debate and argument. He was the person who had the knowledge. But like that passage that we've heard from in the Gospel, there was always more to learn. There was always broader horizons, questions to be explored and more to be gained. The question that the man asked in the Gospel of Jesus, I suppose that question has been asked down through the centuries of wise men and wise women. What lies behind his question is his desire to do good things, to live a good life and to come to eternal life. People like the rest of us, uh, Peter like the rest of us, had a great desire to do good things, to act well and to live a good life. And his faith itself always meant a great deal to him. He drew inspiration from it, was led by it, was encouraged and strengthened by it as well, sought to live it and sought to pass it on to others. He was a very inspirational person in this respect, as he was in many other ways too. Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? We hear that question posed over and over again in the Gospel. And it becomes a question that we ask ourselves. What can we do to gain eternal life? It becomes the inspiration that guides us and maybe also the light that we follow. But God himself, of course, is the one who decides in the end. But everything that we are told of him in the scriptures is of his desire that we should gain that prize. All should be saved and none should be lost. It's his desire that we should be united with one another and united with him, set free and, of course, come to the end of the journey. The doors are open, the table is set, all are welcome. Today, as we think of Peter's life, there is much to say. He was born on the 23rd of August, 1933, to Peter and Winnie Mullen. 
He always had a deep respect and love for his parents. Two brothers, Edward and Patrick. Patrick died in infancy, and of course he has a sister also, Winnie. He lived in the Silver Banks area of this parish, and later lived in the Caledonian Circuit. His grandfather was from Ireland, and his own father worked as a driver and as a steelworker. His parents had great ambitions for the family, especially to do well in education, and we can well imagine their great pride that they took in their family when they did well at school, university, and in their chosen careers. Peter attended St Bride's Primary School, Our Lady's High School, and Glasgow University. And it was at Glasgow University that he studied Latin, Greek, and history, gaining an MA in 1955. And he also studied history as an external student at the University of London and gained a BA honours in 1962. He went into teacher uh, training at Jordan Hill. Uh, Like most young men of his day, also he did national service uh, from 1956 to 1958 for him. Then he began his teaching career at St. Patrick's High School in Coatbridge under the formidable Mr. James Breen, whom he greatly respected for the standards of the school and his great skills of leadership. He would say of him, he learned from him professional rigour, the need for well-prepared lessons and careful planning. I suppose in many ways he modelled himself in later years as head teacher on Mr. James Breen. That sense of leading from the front was a key component of his style as well. He was to say later on that he learned an important lesson from James Breen, never to confuse popularity with respect. He was an innovative teacher. Questions and answers featured highly, and drama and role-playing was key as well. And by all accounts, he was an inspirational teacher, and this desire to be in the classroom never, ever left him. He taught in further education at Coatbridge College in those early days, and then became Principal of History at St Margaret Mary's in Glasgow in 1963. He was invited to write the first alternative O-grade history paper in 1969 and the higher history paper in 1970. He was to become, for a short space of time, the head teacher of Bellarmine High School from 1974 to 1977. But it was as head teacher at Holyrood Secondary School that the largest portion of his teaching life was spent from 1977 to 1994. It was a huge school, the largest school in Scotland, a large staff and a huge population of pupils. He relished the challenge and rose to it. It was a school in high demand, but there was also tightness in accommodation. These placed special demands on him as a head teacher. He would often walk, some would say stalk, the corridors, knew the pupils well and the teachers as well too. He insisted on good order, good discipline, good administration and high goals of achievement. The school itself became a beacon under his leadership and was even the subject of a documentary called Chalkface, 
featuring none other than himself, Peter Mullen, as head teacher. Many of the teachers and the pupils have taken the opportunity to speak well of Peter, his achievements, and for the pupils the strong foundation that he set their lives upon. You'd often take great pride in meeting former pupils and great delight also to know how well that they've done in life. Pupils were often surprised that he could remember them, their names and the details about their life. His management uh, and leadership skills were often recognised uh, as he was asked to take up roles in different committees in education, chaired the board of governors of Dunfermline College of uh, PE, chaired the secondary committee of BBC Educational Broadcasting Council, he served in the committee for Scottish Central Committee of Social Subjects and PE, convocations of the University of Strathclyde and Stirling, and in retirement, uh, he also chaired the committee for the future of the Victoria Hospital, worked with the Robertson Trust to provide bursaries for young people. He, would also be, he was also president of the Rotary Club and Probus Club, president of the Kirkhill Bowling Club. He worked with Rutherglen and Cambuslang support, uh, Sports Council and received a civic award. He was a key figure in Catholic education and was especially friendly with Cardinal Thomas J. Winning. The Cardinal went on him for advice and help, and he himself helped him in forming strategies and the taking of major decisions. His not inconsiderable achievements in education were recognised when he was awarded an OBE and was made Knight Commander of St Gregory by the Pope. These are medals that you will see today on his coffin. The picture of his life, though, would not be complete without mentioning Margaret, his wife. They were married here in July the, uh, 4th, 1959, and just six months ago were able to celebrate 60 years of marriage. Peter, as a young man, lived at 7 Caledonian Circuit. Margaret lived at 17. She was not quite the girl next door, but not far away. First years were spent in Rutherglen and uh, High Burnside before they found their way back here and for over 50 years lived in the same house. He never missed an opportunity to compliment Margaret on how she looked and to praise her for her achievements. Even in those last days when I visited him in hospital, his conversation was not about himself, but about Margaret, how good she was, how kind she was, and how beautiful she was. They both could never have thought that that day in the high summer of 1959 that their life would be taken this journey and uh, they would achieve so much. Peter himself had four daughters, uh, Catherine and Winifred and Margaret and Jane, whom he was very devoted to. They were very close to him and he took great pride in each of them. His daughters were the apple of his eye and they loved him very much and were also devoted to him very much too. Their young lives and their adult lives have been very secure and happy and filled with the best of memories. He was very happy and proud to see each of them doing well in life and to see them married to John and Jamie and Thomas and Ian. 
But even these had to move to the one side when the grandchildren arrived. Katie and Amy Louise and Matthew and Christina and Victoria and Dominic and Nathan and Christopher and Anna Louise. Both Margaret and Peter took great pride in these young people and each of them were involved in their young lives and in their young adult lives too. There was great warmth and love between them and they admired their grandpa very much indeed and were extremely fond of him. He was delighted to see them do well in school and university and would often, very often, tell them how well, uh, t- tell everyone how well that they were doing, all their hires, all their marks at university. Fridays were special days uh, for the family and all would gather at Brownside Road, Peter and Margaret's home. These young people would never miss that occasion. What a great thing it is to be brought up with your grandparents. What an extra blessing it is in life. Peter himself had great interests in his own life. Sports, of course, bowls, cricket, and of course, uh, football, and his beloved Celtic. He was, I believe, even a bit of a boxer in his day. That would have come in handy at school. He loved reading, loved going on holidays, uh, and of course, the holidays themselves, uh, there were restrictions that came with age and ill health. Uh, He was unable to uh, go on holiday as often. He was interested in world affairs and was a keen supporter of the Labour Party. He was a member of that party most of his life. We all get one life, don't we? Uh, listening to Peter's life, it looks as if he got two lives. And if it was only one, then it looks as if he's crammed two lives into it. He was an exceptional man in many ways, hugely talented, had great skills in leadership, was very wise, perceptive and incisive. I noticed that he invariably complimented people for the things that they did rather than the things that they didn't do. You catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. He made a huge contribution to education in Scotland and especially to Catholic education. He spearheaded many initiatives and saw things things right through to the end. He had a profound belief in education and in the possibilities that education opens to children and young people. He could rest and be content that he had been really effective in realising these possibilities for young people. Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? This profound question we return to at the end. All our strivings, all our hopes, all our wishes, all our desires are locked in that question. We wish our lives to be good. We wish our lives to do good. We hope that the good of our life will benefit others. And we hope that the good that we do will lead us to eternal life. All of us in the end will stand before the divine teacher. And in his eyes we will only see mercy and love. For his wish is that none should be lost and all should be saved. 
He often used to say those words that we heard in the reading of today's Mass uh, in his latter years, that he'd run the race and that he kept the faith. He had indeed run the race and he had indeed kept the faith. Please stand. Let us come to our loving Father, asking him to give eternal rest to the departed and comfort and hope to the living. For Peter, who in baptism was given the pledge of eternal life, that he may now be admitted to the company of the saints. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For Peter, who was nourished by the body of Christ, that he may be raised up on the last day. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For Margaret and Peter's family and friends, that they may be consoled in their grief by the Lord, who wept at the, at the death of his friend Lazarus. Lord, hear us. Lord, For those who have no hope of eternal life, that they may hear and believe the good news of Christ's victory over death. Lord, hear us. For all of us assembled here to worship in faith, that we may be gathered together again in the joy of God's kingdom. Lord, hear us. God of our salvation, you reward the just and console those who mourn. Hear our prayers in the name of your risen Son, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Please join in our hymn, Lord, I give my life to you.
and pray, dear brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. As we humbly present to you these offerings, O Lord, for the salvation of Peter, we beseech your mercy that he who did not doubt your son to be a loving saviour may find in him a most merciful judge who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Amen. Lift up your hearts. Amen. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Amen. It's truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In him the hope of the blessed resurrection has dawned, that those saddened by the certainty of dying might be consoled by the promise of immortality to come. Indeed, for your faithful Lord, life is changed, not ended. And when the earthly dwelling turns to dust, an eternal dwelling is made ready for them in heaven. And so with angels, archangels, thrones and dominions, hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of hosts, have you You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them, let the dew fall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. Save us, Saviour of the world, for by your cross and resurrection you have set us free. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Joseph, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember your servant, Peter, whom you have called today from this world to yourself. Grant that Peter, who was united with your son in a death like his, may also be one with him in his resurrection. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. 
welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever. Amen. We pray together in the words that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And we have not but deliver us. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. That by the help of your mercy, we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. And now let's offer one another a sign of peace and friendship. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb.
Let us pray. Lord God, whose Son left us in the sacrament of his body, food for the journey, mercifully grant that strengthened by it, our dear brother Peter may come to the eternal table of Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Please be seated just for a moment. Just before you leave, just to say a simple word of thanks to everyone for coming today, and it would mean a great deal to Margaret and the family. And Margaret cordially invites you to join them in the reception afterwards. Uh, Hopefully uh, many of you will be able to come to that. And I know there's a lot of you, but we'll half the sandwiches and quarter them if necessary. Um, So again, just thanks uh, for coming. Uh, And just before the final uh, prayers and accommodation, I just want to read you a wee uh, message that's been sent by Archbishop uh, Philip Tertalia. I know you'll be having funeral mass uh, for Mr. Peter Mullen and I will uh, be out of the country and so unable to come to that Mass. I would be grateful if you could announce my prayerful condolences to Mrs Mullen, to her family, and to all those who mourn Peter. Also, please mention my appreciation for his lifelong service as a Catholic teacher, and especially for his years as head teacher of Holyrood Secondary in Glasgow. In his day, he was a trusted, influential and effective presence within Catholic education as a whole. He was a man of faith, and he brought that faith to bear on every aspect of his life. Please stand.
Please join in our recessional hymn, Dear St Joseph. i 